What a joy it is for me to supply the pulpit this morning. I'm extremely honored and very, very humbled. I believe most of you know me, but some of you may not. So let me share a little bit about my journey that brought me to this very moment. I hope that it might stir in some of you, maybe just one of you, to listen to that still small voice inside you and like me, follow your heart. I grew up in a church much like this one, right? Different denomination, but similar. We had a fabulous pastor much like this one. We had a wonderful children's program led by a dedicated and devoted person like this one. And we also had a dynamic youth leader that found ways to get us crazy teenagers to connect with God like this one. Would you not agree with me that we are incredibly blessed in this church with our leadership? Well, that combination, along with a marvelous music program, also like we have here, caused something to happen in me at about age 13. I thought, I think I want to be a pastor. I wasn't crazy about the preaching part, but I was moved by those leaders and how they connected with people. It was very genuine. They directly, positively, ain't no doubt about it, helped me to see God in my life. And I thought, that's something I want to do for other people someday. And then life happened, right? Youthful ideas were flipped on their head and things went along their merry way. But the feeling inside never left. Eons later, Barb and I joined this church and some of the feelings returned. But life was just too far complicated by then. Right? I'd begun to measure life according to the yardstick presented by the world. In 2007, I went on a retreat, if you will, called Emmaus. God and I reconnected at a very personal level. For the first time in my adult life, I not only felt loved by God, like I did at age 13, but I knew that God loved me despite all my transgressions and missed opportunities. In the spring of 2019, I participated in another Emmaus event, this time as part of the team putting on the retreat, if you will. That was something I had done eight or nine other times, but this time I returned with an undeniable feeling inside. Two very close friends of mine, our very own Jess Wakefield, and Tim Gurlia had become lay pastors. Barb and I have played music at both of their churches. God was laying down a pattern for me to recognize, a path to follow. All I needed to do was hear with my heart and follow the still, small voice. So I went to see Jim. Any of you go to see Jim when something's on your heart? Great stuff, right? Next thing I know, I'm enrolled in a program to become a lay pastor, and I start attending seminary. Still have my full-time job. Actually, being a lay pastor was my plan for retirement. Do you remember the words from the Bible where our ways are not God's ways and vice versa? 
Well, perhaps that was at work here. Certainly all my expectations had been flipped upside down. Why am I sharing this when I'm supposed to be talking about Solomon and wisdom? Well, it's because of what happened next. In a whirlwind of events, meetings, and conversations with people who must be crazier than I am, I found myself serving as pastor of the most wonderful little church in Arpen, Wisconsin, and still working full-time. That congregation was fighting to hold on with declining attendance and difficulty finding a pastor. In January 2020, I stepped into the role as lay pastor. 19 months later, and here we all are, and a lot has transpired. For one thing, after 18 months as the lay pastor, I moved aside so God could do bigger and better things. And I returned back home to CCPC. I learned a lot, like that I need to use notes for stuff like this. Jim makes it look so easy with his Mr. Monk Spock mind meld thing, remembers the whole service, every last little word, who to, you know, just, right? And then Big Dan steps in a few weeks ago and essentially replicates the whole doing service from recall thing. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> I need to use notes because for one thing, I'm just an amateur wannabe lay pastor. And secondly, I was often dropped on my head as a small child. Those of you who know me, like that voice in the back, say, that explains a lot. <clears throat> Well, what's one big thing that happened in 2020? The election? I was thinking COVID. Here I am, an unskilled in training lay pastor, trying to shepherd a flock through a pandemic. We didn't have Drew Baby to create a phenomenal streaming service that's second to none. Isn't Drew amazing? Huh? Yeah. So we met at a nearby park called Candy Cane Park. The congregation renamed that location our Annex last summer. For 13 Sundays, we held services there under the covered picnic area. COVID restrictions meant we couldn't meet indoors, so we prayed and listened with our heart and embraced a new normal. Not only did we share the space with a tractor pull one weekend and a softball tourney another weekend, we also had a duck join us for a number of our services. Came right in and sat amongst us. I'm not making this up. We've all had a lot occur during these past 19 months. I still can't believe how much weight I gained. It's like I woke up and somebody stole my suit and left the suit that was made for a nine-year-old. I can't even get the buttons come close. Fat guy in a little coat. That's from the movie Tommy Boy. <clears throat> um, so far too much has happened, seriously. Suffering, right? In new terms like social distancing, super spreader, and a recent one called the twisties. My goodness, so much adversity all of the time. As God's people, we're continually challenged to remember that God is good all the time, all the time.
God is good. We've pulled together. We've disagreed. We've fought a pandemic and social injustice, and we've also fought the twisties in our own mind. I learned a lot through the great athlete Simone Biles that the twisties represent a moment where suddenly an athlete's brain and body lose connection and muscle memory fails. Oof. For our purposes today, I'd like to think of it as when we lose touch with that which grounds us. Our brain gets twisted up and we can't find the foundation upon which everything is based. Similar to a gymnast, we are hurtling through our everyday life and all of a sudden we can't connect with that which makes sense and gives us purpose and meaning. We have to pause, reflect, and stroke our measly beard and ponder. We have to reorient our brain with that upon which we stand. And when we suffer, we have to reorient our spirit with the foundation of what we believe. The wise person hearkens back to what we believe is true and reorient, reorient ourselves with God. During the pandemic, the truly wise people turn to God, like we did here at CCPC, like they did in Arpen. But what is wisdom, right? What does it mean to be wise? What is truth? Why do we suffer? Are any of those things linked? Here's the big one. Why am I here? I don't mean at church today when Jim's away. That's obviously the donuts. I mean existentially. Why do I even exist? Those questions have laid on the hearts of humans since the beginning of time. If you're a creationist, Adam and Eve probably started asking that question around Genesis 3, verse 7, when they tried to hide from God. What are we doing here? If you're an evolutionist, there are drawings in caves from early humans searching for the meaning of life. You can read the ancient texts like the Epic of Gilgamesh or writings of Homer, Marcus Aurelius, Virgil, Aeschylus, Euripides, and on and on. They all center around the meaning of life and search for truth. I suggest you read those and others. They're the foundations of our Western heritage as seen from a secular view. It's what the Greeks considered wisdom in the days of Paul. You can use this understanding to contrast against the wisdom that Paul is talking about and for which Solomon asked from God. Wisdom and truth. So what of truth? Well, two things are clear in all those centuries, in all those writings, two common themes. One, there is no wisdom without suffering. And second, you cannot know truth without wisdom. Of course, we know a greater book then all those exist, right? The holy book upon which we base our very lives, the Bible, which is God's word, and is about Jesus from the beginning to the end. Jesus taught the disciples, and therefore us, that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. All this pondering about life leads to the question of, what happens when I die? Why do I suffer? Why do I grieve? Why? 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 
Today, I want to introduce you to one of the great kings, Solomon, who was offered anything from God, and he asked for wisdom. Why wisdom? Well, because Solomon wanted to skip the suffering, have the wisdom, and know the truth, the truth about God. Solomon wanted to know God. Solomon is known as the wisest man to ever live, which essentially means that in his wisest moment, he's almost half as wise as your average run-of-the-mill woman. And all God's women said, Amen. Solomon intended to use this wisdom to better rule the people. And the wisdom also led to great wealth. Unfortunately, that wealth led to great sin. He clearly didn't use the wisdom well. Another sneak peek into the next two Sundays, the wisest man to ever live had over 300 wives. I only have one wife, and I pray every day, usually more than once. Bah, you know I'm goofing. I had to look. <laughs> I had to look. <clears throat> this great king wanted wisdom for some reasons that were very good, right? And then also used that blessing for things that were sinful. He used that blessing for himself. Hmm. The wisdom of Solomon is that for which he is most famous. Christ mentions Solomon and points us to a better way. In Matthew 12, verse 42, Christ states, The queen of the south will rise at the judgment of this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. So was this the right request for Solomon to make? Well, based on the entirety of the situation he was in, it was a phenomenal request. Solomon recognized who he was, human, and how vast and amazing God is, the Creator. So what does it mean to ask God for wisdom today? What are you to do? Paul mentions that the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God and vice versa. How do we seek wisdom from God and not from the world? Well, I suspect you already know where I'm going to go with this answer. For us, we don't want the small, self-serving, limited wisdom of the world. We don't want to just have the wisdom of King Solomon. We know of another king, right? As we sing on Easter morning, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus the Christ, our Savior. Jesus is God. And God came and walked among us. Like when God walked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve before the fall, Jesus came and walked with us as God and as human. Jesus paid the price for the breaking of the covenant and freed us, freed us all from the bonds of sin and death. But just how did Jesus do that? Well, he suffered. Jesus Christ suffered, died, and was buried. And then Christ rose from the dead and defeated death for all of us so that we may experience eternal life. God's been shepherding his people since the beginning of time and 
right up through the day and always into eternity. Solomon didn't have Christ. He didn't have Christ like we do. Solomon prayed to God for wisdom. How do we seek wisdom from God and not from the world? Well, we turn to Christ. In Christ, we learn of the wisdom of the cross and the truth, the way, the life. Christ has been calling us into relationship our whole lives. That is the still small voice to which I referred. It calls us each by name and collectively as the body of Christ. Be still and listen. What kind of relationship will unlock this wisdom for you? Well, a deep, intimate, living relationship with Christ. How do you get that? Just like Solomon, you pray. But unlike Solomon, who prayed to God for wisdom, you get to pray to Christ to get to know Christ and for Christ to get to know you. But I don't know how to pray, Jabo. Well, pray for that, like this. God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to pray. Please help me. Amen. I pray all day long, from rising until I fall asleep at night. I'm constantly in prayer, in conversation with our living God, asking for wisdom by asking for help with my faith and understanding of God. <laughs> the most important parts of these conversations happen when I just shut up and listen. I listen to the wisdom of the cross from our great teacher, Jesus Christ. Christ taught us that he is the truth about eternal life. Christ taught us that he is the way to eternal life. And most of all, Christ taught us that in him, we will come to understand the full meaning of the term life. So what are we supposed to do with this wisdom and understanding of truth? Gain wealth and 300 spouses? <laughs> Please help me, sweet baby Jesus, if that were to be so. Are we commissioned to keep this blessing to ourselves? Whose wisdom would that be? Right? God's or the world's? Do you want to follow God's truth or the truth of the world? We're commissioned by Jesus, as found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, to use his suffering, his wisdom, to go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then instruct them in the practice of all that Jesus taught us. In my line of work, one of the areas of responsibility for me includes the analysts who take the data, put it all together to extrapolate the facts, and from those facts generate information. Right? Information has power in the minds and those who are wise. A wise person will be able to use the information to discern and identify the truth, the truth of the past, the present, and a firm understanding of the future. That's what we get with God. The wisdom of salvation is found in the cross. The only way to satisfy the breaking of the covenant by humans at creation is for God to agree to pay the price. Anything less, and our holy and just God would be less. 
Understanding this information leads us to the truth about who God is. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. This is true of the past, the present, and it will be true for all eternity. God had to sacrifice for us, and God did. But there's more to it than just understanding. The power is in the wisdom of the cross, not just an understanding, then we forget, and then we move on. Jesus wanted us to remember this sacrifice, this suffering, this death. Jesus wanted us to remember always the wisdom of the cross so that we would believe in the truth. More than just have the wisdom and probably misuse it. More than just know the truth and probably not believe. More than just see the way to eternal life. Jesus wanted us to remember that all this culminates in eternal life with Christ in the presence of our triune God. But why remember? Where's the wisdom in that? What's so important about the remembering that Jesus' very last teaching moment with the disciples and therefore extension with us was to invite us all to remember? Why? Because God knew long before we ever existed that our lives would be full of the twisties. Our lives would still be full of suffering and things which would pull the rug out from underneath us. Things of this world which cause us to lose our footing and get flipped on our head. So God gave us a means by which we can come back and relive and remember the suffering, see the wisdom, and reconnect our very souls with that which grounds us, gives us purpose, and preveniently points us to the way to eternal life. In this church, once a month, you get to express your wisdom and understanding of God's truth. You don't need a degree in theology or, or birthright. You just need faith and a heart to hear with. You'll get to reorient on things like these. When you see these items, do you think of the sacrifice? What if I move them over here? What about when, John, when Jim speaks the words of consecration? You're invited to hear. You're invited to hear the words of consecration and stop your earthly life and remember at this table. This table is not the table of any denomination. It's the Lord's table. It'll be set for you and for me and for all of us the body of Christ. Christ has prepared this table through suffering and death so that you will remember and live. The cross is the wisdom. Christ is the truth. Will you remember? Will you live? Will you leave your, your twisties that are haunting you and reorient with that which grounds you? Your soul has brought you here, not donuts, 
Not fantastic children's programming and unbelievable musical inspiration. Your soul needs you to reorient with the purpose of why God made you and who God is. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Christ has provided for you the way, the truth, and the life. What are you going to do with that? Why not be wise and listen to your heart, to the still, small voice of Christ who commissioned you to take this to all peoples? May it be so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.